Good evening, guys. Awesome to have all you here on this very, very snowy um, Christmas Eve. Anybody uh, have any problems getting here? Anyone? Hands? Yeah, a little bit, getting out of driveways, getting unstuck. It's getting pretty crazy out there. Um, The hope is that you'll be able to get home safe, but if you're going to go anywhere on Christmas Eve um, and hope to get home safe, church would be a pretty good idea, right? Someone's going to help you out get home. I want to share with you in greater detail just for a short period of time tonight, that story which you just saw on the screen. And if you guys are, are digitally connected people um, nowadays, I'm sure that all of you can, can connect with that story. Um, a lot of you guys are probably Facebook-ers, Facebook-ees, whatever you want to call it. Are there people out here who will admit the fact they do not have a Facebook right now? And it's, it's okay. It's okay. A couple of people probably don't, right? I know you don't. Grandma, you don't have a Facebook, do you? Okay, you can rate that. <laughs> And if you did, I was going to say, why haven't you friended me yet? <laughs> if you got one and you haven't, invi- if you haven't added me yet, I'd be heartbroken. But in our, in our digital world, perhaps that makes a lot of sense. But I want to share with you just for a few minutes. I don't want to belabor the subject because I know that we all have awesome things that are happening in this Christmas season. But I'd just like to share with you a little bit about this story. It's a 2,000-year-old story of a young, unmarried, pregnant girl and the birth of her world-changing son. And um, the story really begins in Luke 1, and it would make sense, right, that it would begin at the very beginning of this book, but in, in Luke 1, they talk about this, this story about um, Mary, and I want to read this for you because maybe you guys have heard a lot of this before, but maybe you guys haven't, and I, I don't want to assume anything when I share this with you. But in, in Luke 1, verse 26, this is what, how the story kind of starts. It says, in the sixth month... God sent an angel named Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. She says, How will this be, Mary, Mary asked the angel, since I am still a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who has been said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. What I want to bring to your attention tonight, um, just for a few minutes, is this. Very often we've heard this story. I know probably the majority of you have heard at least pieces of the story, right, about Mary and, and, and Jesus. But I think what happens is for some reason we can make it so detached and we can make these characters like Mary and Joseph seem so nebulous and non-realistic that maybe it loses some of its magic when we actually look at the story. We can read over verses like that and just think, wow, that's a cool story. But there's so much more to it, right? I mean, do we actually take the time to think about Mary and Joseph being real people? Not just characters in a story, but real people like you and me. Mary was a very young girl, um, most likely by Jewish tradition, 
a lot of girls were getting married mid-teens. That's when girls got married. So she was young, very young. On top of that, she was pledged to be married to this man named Joseph. And if you look at what it means to be pledged back in this day, the words, what they come to, is kind of like the the term betrothal, which is still kind of an old-fashioned word we don't use very much nowadays. But if I can put it this way to you, it is far more... um, it is far more containing than our Western engagement. You know, when you're engaged, like you're supposed to get married. In this culture, to be betrothed, to be pledged to be married, the only way you could break that off was to get a divorce. It was real. Like, it wasn't like you were betrothed, like people get engaged, because you've heard of some of these, maybe some of you have friends, right, who get engaged and they get unengaged and they get engaged again or something crazy like that. That's not the case back, back then. At this time, if you were pledged to be married to somebody... You were expected to be faithful to them. You are expected to be sexually faithful to them as well, where you weren't going to be with somebody else. And, and, and there was a lot to it. And you couldn't break that pledge, like I said, without a divorce. So have you ever considered this scenario for real then? Have we ever actually taken into consideration what it would be like for Mary, this young, pledged-to-be-married girl, to be approached by an angel and said that you're now going to have a child that's God's? Or maybe even more interesting have you ever considered how Joseph would feel in this situation? Have you ever considered about what he might thought, might, might actually think? His wife, soon-to-be wife, comes to him and says that, I'm pregnant. But it's not with another guy. The Lord came and told me that I was going to have a son that's his. What do you think that guy's reaction would be? Yeah, right, right? Yeah, I'm sure the Lord came The Lord came, and he told you you're going to have a kid. Don't you think that Joseph went through his mind all the different possibilities? Who are his friends? Who are the people he's seen Mary hanging around? Is there some guy who's been trying to get close to Mary? Is this all just a story that she's trying to tell me? He's in love with her, but man, how could this be, right? And don't you think, just at least for a minute, what went through Joseph's mind is, who's the baby daddy? Who's the guy who came and slept with Mary. How in the world could she be pregnant when we're pledged to be married? How could this happen? On top of this, this is a massive embarrassment for Joseph. To be pledged to this girl and then for her to be pregnant is a huge embarrassment. If it was him, it's tremendously embarrassing. If it's not him, it was tremendously embarrassing for him as a man and his pride in this culture. You kind of see with that, with that video that we showed there when people found out how it says 23 people unfriended, uh, unfriended Joseph. And, and that really is just a, a possibility definitely at this time. For those who were godly, I'm sure this was a confusing situation. In the law at this time, Joseph could have turned Mary over to the, to the people, the followers of the law, and he could have had her taken out to the edge of town and stoned to death because she was pregnant with someone else's child while, he, while she was engaged to be married to him. Legally, he could have turned Mary over and had her stoned to death at the edge of town. And it says, though, when you look into who Joseph was, that in Matthew, when he got confronted with this idea that she was pregnant, because he was a really, really good man, he was a great man at heart, what he was going to do instead was he was going to give her a quiet divorce and let her slip away quietly and have this kid. He was going to try to get, keep it quiet, let her be able to disappear, not cause problems. He didn't want to harm her, but he was going to let her go because he figured she obviously has somebody else who she's been sleeping with. 
But what happened is this God intervened and broke in on the situation. And it says that God came to Joseph in a dream that he had and explained the whole story to him and explained that really Mary was faithful to him, but instead God came and got Mary pregnant to carry the Messiah into this world. And the Jews all knew about this coming Messiah. That was something that had been prophesied in the Old Testament. If you look, the Old Testament and New Testament happened a long time apart. But the biggest story in the Old Testament is the coming of this person called the Messiah, who's the Savior for the Jews. And they had known about it for a long time. And Joseph hears that Mary is the woman who's supposed to carry the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Between these events, Mary goes and sees her relative uh, Elizabeth. You kind of see in that story, too. Um, Elizabeth had John. If you guys are moderately familiar with the story, John is John the Baptist, which is interesting enough. John was only six months older than Jesus, and he was a relative of him. And he was the man who God sent to prepare the way for Jesus. He was the one who came into this world, and what he did was he told everybody, the Savior's coming. Get prepared. Interesting enough that it happened from two families that were actually related as well. And when she went and she saw Elizabeth, it says that when she walked into the house, the Holy Spirit came on Elizabeth and her baby, John the Baptist, literally jumped in her stomach because he could tell that the Savior was in that house, Jesus inside of Mary. And when she left, they both sang. They actually both sang stories. If you ever go through the Bible and you read it, both Mary and, Mary and, um, and Elizabeth, what they do is they sing together, and she sings about how she realized this is the coming Messiah. The story continues, uh, actually, in Luke 2. And this is where, after all this happens, and, and Joseph decides the fact that he's, he's keeping hold of Mary, that he really does believe this is something that God has done. The story goes on that Caesar does call up the Herod, uh, Caesar Augustus. He issues this decree that you've got to come back, and you have, to get, um, you have to register, and they're taking the census. And he has to take his wife and go back to his home uh, city in order to register. And this is where the story picks up. I want to read it to you again. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his his or her own hometown to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee in Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them at the inn. Mary and Joseph, they go to his his hometown of, of Bethlehem and they're unable to find an inn to stay at. So instead, they end up having Jesus in a stable where animals are housed. And God is born, get this, God in Jesus is born into the hands of human care. It's amazing. Here's something maybe you never thought about before. The story's awesome, right? God comes to Mary and explains this. Joseph's confused. He comes to Joseph and he explains this. And, and it's an awesome story, right? But maybe you never think about this. Joseph and Mary spent the rest of their lives being rejected because of the sacrifice. See, I think what most people think is that they had Jesus and then it was all okay, right? They had Jesus and that's the end of the story. But it's not. For the rest of Joseph's life, he was probably made fun of as the man who married a girl who slept around on him before he married her. And for the rest of Mary's life, I'm sure that women talked behind her back and said, she's the one 
She's the one who broke her pledge to Joseph. She said it was God, but we all know what happened. She must have slept with some other guy. For the rest of their lives, they dealt with that. And it was that sacrifice they had to make in order to bring Jesus here. I think we, we take away some of that, don't we? We read these stories, we read them as such one-dimensional or two-dimensional characters. We don't realize is they're real people. And all the feelings that went with that. I love that part in that, in that um, video where Joseph is so confused. And I love how he goes to type hurting. And then he goes back and says confused because it's so true, right? I mean, can you imagine being in that situation with, with all of this happening? The confusion, the fear, right? Of, of you, you, God said and he's going to have this kid. And I can't imagine the uncertainty in this situation of having this happen. There's three main things that I want you to pull from this Christmas story. And it's about Jesus. Because Joseph and Mary made this amazing sacrifice to bring this person, Jesus, into this world. So he's really the focal point of, obviously, this holiday Christmas and the focal point of the story. And here's three things I want you to get from it, okay? First and foremost, Jesus was divinely conceived and divinely born. He was the son of God and woman with no father. His father was God. And he fulfilled countless prophecies in how he was born. Check this out. In Isaiah 7.14, it prophesies of a woman giving birth, even though she's a virgin, to the person who's to be the Messiah. Hundreds of years written before. In, Hosea, in, in Micah 5.2, it says, get this, that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. Jesus had no way of telling Joseph and Mary where he should be born. In Hosea 11.1, 1, it says that the Savior will come out of Egypt. And the story goes that Joseph and Mary flee to Egypt and then come back to get out of the way of these, of these problems. In Jeremiah 31.15, all of the young boys are prophesied as being murdered because of someone trying to kill the Messiah. And it happens right after Jesus is born, about two years, somewhere in the range of, of him, his birth to two years. And not only that, but his father Joseph, his legal father Joseph, was from the line of the King David, which countless prophecies for years and years and years in the past had been made that King David's line would bring the Messiah. Man, he was divinely created. These are things that Jesus had absolutely no control over. And when you pair them with what he did here on earth, what happens is you come to one simple conclusion. Jesus was the son of God. He was the son of God. A woman, Mary, who carried the son of God in this world. Second thing I want you to get is this. The most glorious king to ever be born on earth came to this earth in the most humble ways, in the most humble circumstances. First and foremost, God was born a human. Does that not just blow your mind? If you want to talk about all different religions, all different philosophies anywhere you go, you're never going to find one that compares to Christianity in the craziness of our God loving us enough to leave his deity and come to earth in order to experience humanity. God was born into human hands. His dad, Joseph, was a carpenter. We know this because Jesus was a carpenter, and back in those days, how you got your trade was picking up your dad's trade. He was only a carpenter. Mary was just a young girl, and he was born to poor parents. 
We know that. When they took him to be able to go and, and bring him to the temple, it says that they brought two doves. That's, a, that's an indicator. If you read back in the Old Testament, when they take and they brought somebody, two doves was the poor person's requirement. People who had money, they would bring more. They didn't have money. And he was born in a cave. That's what a stable really was back then. Often to house, house uh, animals was a cave dug out into rock. He was born in a cave and he was laid in a feed trough when he was born. It's amazing to think that God was born into such humble circumstances. Maybe even more is this fact. When God came to earth, he needed an adoptive father. He needed somebody like Joseph to stand up and be a man and say, I'm willing to take care of this, this child. Man, it's amazing to think about. Can you imagine that the power of God put into the frailty of a baby to be taken care of by Mary and Joseph? These things show me that Jesus may have came from a royal lineage, but he's not a king for only the wealthy. Jesus is a God for the average, the below average, the poor, the lonely, the hurting, the lost, the angry, the addicted, and the abandoned. He came in humble circumstances, and I believe that he loves to still work in the humble circumstances. I think he loves average people, not the super wealthy, not the super rich, not even the super spiritual but he loves those people who just humbly come and say, Jesus, I need your help. And last but certainly not least, the story did not end at Jesus' birth. Many places you're going to go this Christmas season, you'll hear a story about a, a small baby being born named Jesus Christ. But, you know, the interesting thing about that is Jesus didn't stay a baby. He grew up. There was a lot more to the story past that, and all this is is simply the starting line to perhaps the most amazing story ever told here on earth. Right after he was born, within the first couple years, there's this awesome story where they take him to, um, to the, the temple to basically be consecrated. And what's awesome is, is I want to read this story real quick to you. It starts in, in Luke 2, 25. Here's what it says. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. And when, his, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took, took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. Man, it's amazing, isn't it? He comes into this world, and I love this. They, they bring him to the temple courts, and this man who had been praying for years to see the Messiah, as soon as he sees Jesus as a baby, he grabs him and he says, here's the Savior. I can tell looking at him. This is the man who came to set all things right. Joseph and Mary, of course, like I said, the story wasn't over for them. There's a lot more to happen in life. They raised this boy past the ages of, of just being a baby, but they raised him through the terrible twos. They raised Jesus when he was just a young boy. They took and they bandaged his first scraped knee and they, they helped him out as he grew up and he was raised by human parents here on earth. It's amazing to think of all that story. And they, like I said, they went through the rest of their life with those, those issues they had to carry because of the sacrifice they made to bring Jesus here. Jesus grew up and he did miraculous things. And 33 years from this, this date of his birth, he died perhaps the most gruesome death 
that a man can die on earth, which is hanging on the cross and being crucified. And that story is often not told on Christmas, but it's, it's the bookends of his life, his birth being miraculous and his death being equally as miraculous. It says that Jesus lived 33 years of perfect life in which he never sinned and never fell short of God's glory. And then he died on the cross to carry all of our sins to payment. But the story still wasn't over. And three days later, Jesus Christ rose from the dead and ascended back into heaven, beating death. And the story's still not over. Because even after Jesus went back, he said that then I'll be with you here on earth in the Holy Spirit, and I'm your Savior. The story's still not over for you today. And that's what I wanted to share with you guys tonight, is that that story of Jesus Christ coming into earth is, is an amazing and astounding one. But the story didn't end there, and the story doesn't end there for you as well. It says in Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. What it means is that us here on earth, when we, when we work at life, and really what we do is we all fall short of what God's perfect standard is for us, and it's, it's our sinfulness and the things we do wrong. It says at the end of that life, what we earn is a paycheck of death. And he says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. What it says is that when he went to the cross that he paid for all of our sins. And that making him our Lord brings us into eternal life. What I want to offer to you guys today is that um, on Christmas Eve, your story is not over. And wherever you find yourself this Christmas Eve, I want to encourage you to turn to Jesus. It says in Romans 10.9 this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Jesus came to this earth not just to be born a child, but he came here to take and set right all the wrong that happened on this earth in each and every one of us. And I want to offer you guys today that on Christmas Eve, on a snowy, nasty Christmas Eve, if you guys are far away from Jesus, that today you can come home. Today you can come home. And you can change the end of your story. Just like Jesus' story wasn't over, yours isn't either. Where you sit today is not where you have to be. And what you've done isn't what you have to be tomorrow. That you can change your story tonight. And you know what? Even if you do have a relationship with Jesus, that maybe what that is is it's just refocusing on the fact of what his life here meant and refocusing on what you need to do with your life. But I want to offer that to you guys today. And you know what it is? It's, it's literally just as simple. It says that you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. It's taking into consideration and believing Jesus. I really do believe that you were born on this earth, the Son of God. And it's confessing with your mouth and saying, Jesus, I need help. I can't take care of this sin on my own. I want to pray with you guys to finish, and here's what I want to give you guys. Um, if you, if any, anyone here says, you know what, I don't know Jesus Christ, and I'd love to know I'd love to know who Jesus really is, and I'd love to know who the baby daddy is, who the father is as well, Jesus' dad. I want to offer to you guys that tonight I'd be very glad to pray with you guys. And if not, I'd just like to pray over you. But if tonight you say, you know what, I need to set my life straight. As soon as we finish here, I'll be here. Come up and talk to me. Take that first step just to take a step and say, I'd like to pray that prayer this morning, this afternoon, this evening. I'm used to preaching on Sunday mornings, aren't I? 
But I want to offer that to you as well. Let's pray together. And I'm going to pray just a prayer of blessing over you guys. And then I'll let you go. Jesus, I thank you so much for tonight. And I thank you for what a good God you are. I thank you, Jesus Christ, um, for your miraculous birth here on earth. And I thank you, God, that your story did not end there, that there was so much more to it. Jesus, I pray to you that you would um, just touch those people who tonight they would say, um, I really don't know who Jesus is. I don't know who his dad is, and I need to. That I realize that I, I don't have it all figured out. God, I pray to you that you protect everybody as they go home. I pray to you, Jesus, that you would give them an amazing Christmas. And Lord, that you would remind them sometime, at least once throughout the day, um, what the holiday really is about. It's about your miraculous start here on earth. I just thank you so much for what a good God you are. To your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.